everyone, thank you for tuning in to my first ever episode of my first podcast. I hope you guys are doing fantastic and amazing, and if not, trust me, better days are definitely on their way to you. Um, firstly, I would just like to say I apologize for the background noise that's coming. I It's my first time doing this, so I don't have a proper microphone or anything. If it helps, you can treat the background noise as rain hitting roof, like, like drizzles, you know? So yeah, without further ado, I hope you like the story that I'm about to read to you, which is Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, the first three chapters at least. I personally find it comforting to have stories read to me when I'm trying to sleep if I do suffer from insomnia, but feel free to use this however you like. And if you guys have any feedback or requests, feel free to let me know. I'm always open to trying new things. So yeah, I hope you enjoy and take care. Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of having nothing to do. Once or twice, she had peeped into the book her sister was reading, but it had no pictures or conversations in it. Well, what is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or conversation? So she was considering in her own mind, as well as she could, for the hot day made her feel very sleepy and stupid. Whether the pleasure of making a daisy chain would be worth the trouble of getting up picking the daisies, when suddenly, a white rabbit with pink eyes ran close by her. There was nothing so very remarkable in that, nor did Alice think it so very much out of the way to hear the rabbit say to itself, Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. When she thought it over afterwards, it occurred to her that she ought to have wondered at this, though at the time it all seemed quite natural. But when the rabbit actually took a watch out of its waistcoat pocket and looked at it and then hurried on, Alice started to her feet, for it flashed across her mind that she had never before seen a rabbit with either a waistcoat pocket or a watch to take out of it. Burning with curiosity, she ran across the field after it, and fortunately was just in time to see it pop down a large rabbit hole under the hedge. In a moment, another In another moment, down went Alice after it, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again. The rabbit hole went straight on like a tunnel for some way, 
and then dipped suddenly down, so suddenly that Alice had not a moment to think about stopping herself before she found herself falling down a very deep well. Either the well was very deep, or she fell very slowly, for she had plenty of time as she went down to look about her, and to wonder what was going to happen next. First, she tried to look round and make out what she was coming to, but it was too dark to see anything. Then, she looked at the sides of the well, and noticed that they were filled with cupboards and bookshelves. Here and there, she saw maps and pictures hung upon pegs. She took down a jar from one of the shelves as she passed. It was labelled Orange Marmalade, but to her great disappointment, it was empty. So, she did not like to drop the jar for fear of killing somebody, and managed to put it into one of the cupboards as she fell past it. Well, thought Alice to herself, after such a fall as this, I shall see nothing tumbling downstairs. How brave they all think of me at home. Well, I wouldn't say anything about it, even if I fell off the top of the house, which was very likely true. Down, 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 with the fall never come to an end. I wonder how many miles I've fallen by this time, she said aloud. I must be getting somewhere near the centre of the earth. Let me see. That would be four thousand miles down, I think. Yes, that's about the right distance, but then I wonder what latitude or longitude I've got to. Alice had no idea what latitude was, or longitude either, but thought they were nice grand words to say. Presently, she began again. I wonder if I shall fall right through the earth. How funny it'll seem to come out among the people that walk with their heads downwards. The antipathies, I think. But I shall have to ask them what the name of the country is, you know. Please, ma'am, is this New Zealand or Australia? No. What an ignorant little girl she'll think me for asking. No, it'll never do to ask. Perhaps I shall see it written up somewhere. Down, down, down. There was nothing else to do, so Alice soon began talking again. Dina will miss me very much tonight, I should think. Dina was the cat. I hope you'll remember her saucer's milk at tea time. Dina, my dear, I wish you were down here with me. There are no mice in the air, I'm afraid, but you might catch a bat, and that's very like a mouse, you know. But do cats eat bats, I wonder? And here Alice began to get rather sleepy, and went on to her fainter self, in a dreamy sort of way. Do cats eat bats? Do cats eat bats? And sometimes... Do bats eat cats? So you see, as she couldn't answer either question, it didn't much matter which way she put it. 
she felt that she was dozing off and had just begun to dream that she was walking hand in hand with Dina and singing to her very earnestly. Now, Dina, tell me the truth. Did you ever eat a bat? And suddenly, thump, thump, down she came upon a heap of sticks and dry leaves, and the fall was over. Alice was not a bit hurt, and she jumped up to her feet in a moment. She looked up, but it was all dark overhead. Before her was another long passage, and the white rabbit was still in sight, hurrying down it. There was not a moment to be lost. Away went Alice like the wind, and was just in time to hear it say as it turned a corner, Oh, my ears and whiskers, how late it's getting. She was close behind it, and she turned the corner. But the rabbit was no longer to be seen. She found herself in a long, low hall, which was lit up by a row of lamps hanging from the roof. There were doors all around the hall, but they were all locked, and one had Alice looking all the way down one side, and up the other, trying every door. She walked sadly down the middle, wondering how she was ever to get out again. Suddenly, she came upon a little three-legged table, all made of solid glass. There was nothing on it except a tiny golden key, and Alice's first thought was that it might belong to one of the doors of the hall. But alas, either the locks were too large or the key was too small. But at any rate, it would not open any of them. However, on the second time around, she came upon a low curtain she had not noticed before, and behind it was a little door about 15 inches high. She tried the little golden key in the lock, and to her great delight, it fitted. She opened the door and found that it led to a small passage, no much larger than a rat hole. She knelt down and looked along the passage into the loveliest garden you ever saw. How she longed to get out of that dark hole and wander about among those beds of bright flowers and those cool fountains. But she could not even get her head through the doorway. And even if my head could go through, thought poor Alice, it would be of very little use without my shoulders. Oh, how I wish I could shut up like a telescope. I think I could. If only I knew how to begin. For you see, so many out-of-the-way things had happened lately that Alice had begun to think that very few things indeed were really impossible. There seemed to be no use in waiting by the little door, so she went back to the table, half hoping she might find another key on it, or at any rate, a book of rules for shutting people up like telescopes. This time, she found a little bottle on it. Which certainly was not here before, said Alice. And round the neck of the bottle was a paper label, with the words, Drink Me, beautifully printed on it in large letters. It was all very thick. It was all...
was all very well to say drinking, but the wise little Alice was not going to do that in a hurry. No, I'll look first, she said, and see whether it's marked poison or not, for she had read several nice little histories about children who had got burnt and eaten up by wild beasts and other unpleasant things, all because they would not remember the simple rules their friends had taught them, such as a red-hot poker will burn you if you hold it too long, and that if you cut your finger very deeply with a knife, it usually bleeds, and she had never forgotten that if you drink much from the bottle marked poison, it is almost certain to disagree with you sooner or later. However, this bottle was not marked poison, so Alice ventured to taste it, and finding it very nice. In fact, it had a sort of mixed flavour of cherry tart, custard, pineapple, roast turkey, toffee, and hot buttered toast. She very soon finished it off. What a curious feeling, said Alice. I must be shutting up like a telescope. And so it was indeed. She was now only ten inches high, and her face brightened up at the thought that she was now the right size for going through the little door into that lovely garden. First, however, she waited for a few minutes to see if she was going to shrink any further. She felt a little nervous about this. For it might end, you know, she said Alice to herself, in my going out altogether, like a candle. I wonder what I should be like then. And she tried to fancy what the flame of a candle is like after the candle is blown out, for she could not remember ever having seen such a thing. After a while, finding that nothing more happened, she had decided on in going into the garden at once. But alas for poor Alice, when she got to the door, she found she had forgotten the little golden key. And when she went back to the table for it, she found she could not possibly reach it. She could see it quite plainly through the glass, and she tried her best to climb up one of the legs of the table. But it was too slippery, and when she had tied herself up with trying, the poor little teeny sat down and cried. Come, there's no use in crying like that, said Alice to herself rather sharply. I advise you to leave off this minute. She generally gave herself very good advice, though she very seldom followed it. And sometimes she scolded herself so severely as to bring tears into her eyes. And once she remembered trying to box her own ears for having cheated herself in a game of croquet she was playing against herself. For this curious child was very fond of pretending to be two people. But it's no use now, thought poor Alice, to pretend to be two people. Why, there's hardly enough of me left to make one respectable person. See how I fell on a little glass box that was lying under the table. She opened it and found in it a very small cake in which the words eaten were beautifully marked in currants. Well, I'll eat it, said Alice, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key, and if it makes me grow smaller, I can creep under the door. 
So either way, I'll get into the garden, and I don't care what happens. She ate a little bit and said anxiously to herself, Which way? Which way? Holding her hand onto the top of her head to feel which way it was going. And she was quite surprised to find that she remained the same size. To be sure, this generally happens when one eats cake, but Alice had got so much into the way of expecting nothing but out of the way things to happen that it seemed quite dull and stupid for life to go on in a common way. So she set to work and very soon finished off the cake. Why, said Dodo, the best way to explain it is to do it. And as you might like to try the thing yourself some winter day, I will tell you how the Dodo managed it. First, it marked out a race course in a sort of circle. The exact shape doesn't matter, it said. And then all the party were placed along the course, here and there. There was no one, two, three, and away. But they began running when they liked, and left off when they liked. So that it was not easy to know when the race was over. However, when they had been running half an hour or so, and were quite dry again, the dodo suddenly called out, The race is over. And they all crowded around it panting and asking, but who has won? The question the dodo could not answer without a great deal of thought, and it sat for a long time with one finger pressed upon its forehead, the position in which you usually see Shakespeare in the pictures of him, while the rest waited in silence. At last the dodo said, Everybody has won and all must have prizes. But who is to give the prizes? Quite a chorus of voices asked. Why, she, of course, said the dodo, pointing to Alice with one finger, and the whole party at once crowded round her, calling out in a confused way, prizes, prizes. Alice had no idea what to do, and in despair, she put her hand in her pocket and pulled out a box of comfits. Luckily, the salt water had not got into it and handed them round as prizes. There was exactly one apiece all round. But she must have a prize herself, you know, said the mouse. Of course, the dodo replied very gravely. What else have you got in your pocket? He went on, turning to Alice. Only a thimble, said Alice. Hand it over here, said the dodo. Then they all crowded round her once more, while the dodo solemnly presented the thimble, saying, We beg your acceptance of this elegant thimble. And when it had finished the short speech, they all cheered. Alice thought the whole thing very absurd, but they all looked so grave that she did not dare to laugh, and as she could not think of anything to say, she simply bowed and took the thimble, looking as solemn as she could. The next thing was to eat the comfits, 
This caused some noise and confusion as the large birds complained that they could not taste theirs and the small ones choked and had to be patted on the back. However, it was over at last and they sat down again in a ring and begged the mouse to tell them something more. You promised to tell me your history, you know, said Alice, and why it is you hate she added in a whisper, half afraid that I would be offended again. Mine is a long and sad tale, said the mouse, turning to Alice and sighing. It is a long tale, certainly, said Alice, looking down with wonder at the mouse's tail. But why do you call it sad? And she kept on puzzling about it while the mouse was speaking so that her idea of the tale was something like this. Fury said to a mouse that he met in the house, let us both go to law, I will prosecute you. Come, I'll take no denial, we must have a trial, for really this morning I've nothing to do, said the mouse to the cur. Such a trial, dear sir, if no jury or judge be wasting our breath. I'll be judge, I'll be jury, said cunning old Fury. I'll try the whole cause and condemn you to death. You are not attending, said the master Alice severely. What are you thinking of? I beg your pardon, said Alice very humbly. You had got to the fifth bend, I think. I had not, cried the master sharply and very angrily. I'm not, said Alice, always ready to make herself useful and looking anxiously about her. Oh, do let me help to undo it. I shall do nothing of the sort, said the mouse, getting up and walking away. You insult me by talking such nonsense. I didn't mean it, pleaded poor Alice, but you're so easily offended, you know. The mouse only growled in reply. Please come back and finish your story, Alice called after it, and the others all joined in chorus. Yes, please do, but the mouse only shook its head impatiently and walked a little quicker. What a pity it wouldn't stay, sighed the lorry as soon as it was quite out of sight, and an old crab took the opportunity of saying to her daughter, my dear, let this be a lesson to never to lose your temper. Hold your temper, ma, said the young crab a little snappishly. You're enough to try the patience of an oyster. I wish I had our dinner here. I know I do, said Alice aloud, addressing nobody in particular. She would soon fetch it back. And who is Dina? If I might venture to ask the question, said the lorry. Alice replied eagerly, for she was always ready to talk about her pet. Nina's our cat, and she's such a capital one for catching mice. You can't think, and oh, I wish you could see her after the birds. Why, she'll eat a little bird as soon as look at it. The speech caused a remarkable sensation among the party. Some of the birds hurried off at once, 
one old magpie began wrapping itself up very carefully, remarking, I really must be getting home. The night air doesn't suit my throat. And the canary called out in a trembling voice to its children, Come away, my dears. It's high time you were all in bed. On various pretexts, they all moved off, and Alice was soon left alone. I wish I hadn't mentioned Dina, she said to herself in a melancholy tone. Nobody seems to like her down here, and I'm sure she's the best cat in the world. Oh my dear Dina, I wonder if I shall ever see you anymore. And here, poor Alice began to cry again, for she felt very lonely and low-spirited. In a little while, however, she again heard a little pattering of footsteps in the distance, and she looked up eagerly, half hoping that the mouse had changed his mind and was coming back to finish his story.